We're putting off things, true or false, that don't get to the core primal reality of who I am, the kind of bedrock foundation of my soul. And some of those I'll probably have to put back on later. But what I need to do is really put on the truth to recollect the reality of who I am in Christ and to understand that that is what defines me. One of my favorite verses for now, I don't decades now, just because the image, it just never ceases to be profound for me. And it's Colossians 3, that, that your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I think, Lord, that is who I am. That defines me. You know, it's not, I, it's not the fact that, that I have been a success or a failure that defines me. It's you that define me. That was Kyle Strobel. And this is the Things Above podcast. Today's guest for a Things Above conversation is Kyle Strobel. Kyle is a writer, speaker, and professor of spiritual theology and formation at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. And I just love to say it, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. It's just <laughs> fun to say Biola and what the acronym means. Uh, he's the author of Form for the Glory of God and co-author of Beloved Dust and other books. Kyle and his family live in Southern California, and I've known Kyle for several years now. He was a plenary speaker back at the Apprentice Gathering a few years ago, I think maybe three or four or five years ago now. But anyway, welcome, Kyle. Welcome to the Things About Podcast. Thanks so much, man. It's so good to be here with you, brother. Yeah, it's fun to uh, just to see your work over the years and you're, you're the, the next generation behind old guys like me in spiritual formation. <laughs> I just love to see the quality work you're doing academically, but also just for the general you know, public. You're not just a teacher in academia, but you're writing particularly the book we're going to talk about today to help, to help all of us learn how to grow in our life with God, particularly prayer. So, Kyle, I have to say this because I'm sure some of our listeners, and you probably tire of this, but when I say the name Strobel, people go, is he related to the case for Christ guy? And the answer is yes. Correct? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's my father. <laughs> you were yes. the you're waiting. Yes, your son is the son of Lee. <laughs> that's uh, right. Because Case for Christ was, you know, a very popular book and a very influential, important book for a lot of people. So and yeah. Strobel, it's not like Smith, you know. It's it's <laughs> not that that's true. Not not that common. So I just just the connection. Um, and I know that you um you love your father and all his work and so forth. So just making that connection for listeners. Yeah, well, and they can even watch the movie now and see my birth. So that's the, um, the Whoa. Added bonus where you can. Oh, I did see that. The, that uh, case is it? Is it Case for Christ? Or yeah, sport? yeah. They call the movie the Case for Christ. It's really just kind of my dad's story more than anything else, and and I'm born in it. So I'm really trying to work the angle that it's mostly about my birth. Uh, but it's a, it's a hard One scene. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so I ask every guest on this the Things Above podcast when I have a conversation, I ask them the same question if they've written a book, and that is, why did you write this book? Yeah, well, that's a great question. I, I, that's exactly the kind of question you should be asking. That's good. You know, for for John and I, you know, we so John. One of the key differences is he's been doing this for three decades. You know, he's been for the last two decades he's been leading the Institute of Spiritual Formation, and so he has obviously been kind of neck deep in this world for a long time. And, and so we several years ago now kind of sat down together and started thinking about what, what kind of book do we want to write together? We both feel called to write, um, I say my, even more probably me than him a little bit, but he always, he's always kind of wanted to. And, and I've always felt called part of my calling as a theologian is to always be a theologian for the church. Mm. And, and to be a writer for the church. That, that's always been very clear for me. And so we kind of sat down and said, well, what, what, is, what kind of captivates us the most? And what do we really, what do we think we can kind of bring to the table? And, and you know, prayer came up, which is kind of hard because everyone's written a book on prayer. <laughs> there's there's there just are, a million books on yeah. prayer. And, and there's a lot of good books on prayer, quite honestly. Um, sure. But, yeah. you know, one of the things that, that we kind of realized that it, it has just been such a focal point of our ministry and of our teaching. And one of the things that we really wanted to do was to bring together in a very introductory kind of way. Like um, I, I actually, when I, when I was writing, I always had my mom in mind. Hmm. 
And I always had, and, and it, I had kind of two people in mind, my mom, and then the person who's never really read anything in spirit formation. If you told them like, oh, he, I have a book on introducing spirit formation, like they would have no interest in it. Um, or even like, oh, here's a book on spiritual disciplines. They wouldn't be interested in it. So I was like, is there a book we could write that someone could hand to that person and wouldn't only be here's how to pray better or here's what prayer is or as important as those things are, but would actually go a step further and say, let me tell you what your prayer life has been like. Mm. And let me try to narrate to you your struggles. And I think, you know, in many ways, there's always going to be a group of people who are kind of captivated by spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, some of those conversations like they're um, either their experience has just led them there or they've they're just that kind of personality type. You know, I think you and I are both guys like that. Like we were just sure. kind of captivated by the ideas. And we we wanted to try to both speak to that audience, but to go beyond to an audience that would never actually be interested in these kinds of questions unless someone showed them. Look, you actually deep in your soul are interested in these questions you've just never seen kind of where they touch the ground in yourself and in your relationship with God. And so, so that really drove us. And, and for us, it's always been prayer. I mean, prayer is, is, it's kind of the meta discipline, you know, for us, it's like every other discipline we do, every other thing we do in the Christian life is a kind of mode of our prayer. It is all a part of praying without ceasing. And so that really, when we thought, when we, once we determined we wanted to write, it was very clear, this is what we want to write. We want to write on prayer. Mm. Well, I mean, uh, the book, I think, certainly does that. Now, look, I'm, I am in the camp that you mentioned. I mean, I'm in the spiritual formation <laughs> world uh, as a teacher and speaker and, you know, on that side. So we'll have to wait and see what someone who, your, your target, thinks mm. about it. But I think you nailed it because... Um, it, it really, it, it's, it was so basic, but I also love how real it is. Um, so let's talk about that because, uh, you know, prayer is something that I think it's an important part of the Christian life, but frankly, most people have not been taught well how to pray. I mean, it, that's an, a fascinating phenomenon. I thought about that. I was just reading is thinking, you know, what have we been teaching people about prayer? And I think, wow, probably very little. It's, I mean, everybody knows they should pray. I think what 92% of people and not, not just Christians, but people say they pray in some form or another, whether it's just a little, Hey God help or something, but Mm -hmm. it's something we just, we know we're supposed to do, but we don't know how to do it or do it well. And I love the, I love good opening of a book, but the, (laughs) the opening, the introductory sentences, I'm going to read them if that's okay. Yeah. Um, you're right. Um, for a good portion of our Christian lives, prayer did not make much sense. But that wasn't our main problem. Our problem was that we, we weren't being honest about it. We pretended that prayer made sense, but it didn't. Prayer was dry, boring, and while we're being really honest, something we avoided at all costs. Now, great, great opening hook, because you had me right there. I was going, <laughs> okay, these guys are being honest. Hmm. Like this... Uh, but talk about that. I mean, cause that is a, that's a really honest opening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is what's so interesting about like just John and I's experience because we in very, in different ways, but they ended up being very similar, um, almost identical actually. You know, we were kind of thrust into ministry. We were in leadership of all kinds. We were, um, you know, I was the lead Bible tutor on my, <laughs> in my, um, Bible college, you know, and, I was doing all those things, you know, everything was full of ministry and learning. And I loved studying scripture. And, and then I go to pray and it'd just be this, Lord, what on earth is <laughs> happening? You know, I, if I felt alone, I felt guilty and shameful at times. I wondered why it didn't, you know, I think at the bottom, no one, it's not that I wasn't taught things about prayer. I certainly was. And of course, like to your point, I think we all learn we should do it. But then deep down, I think what ends up happening is we fill in the gaps of what we're not taught with expectations. And I think that's what so crippled my prayer life is that the expectations I kind of thought I internalized were were that kind of prayer should be exciting. My mind Mm. should never wander. I should never fall asleep. 
<laughs> yeah. I should leave doing it feeling like, wow, that was amazing. And that just was never happening. <laughs> you know, it, and it was the opposite experience. And unfortunately, you know, at that point in my life, I never, I didn't have a spiritual director. I didn't have a mentor who can help me navigate it. And, and quite honestly, even if I had, a, and I did have mentors at that time, but it never would have even occurred to me to talk to them about what was going on in my prayer life. Cause I just assumed mm. it must be because I'm bad at this. Yeah. But I can't I, tell anybody. <laughs> I can't tell anybody. I was too guilty, ashamed about it, you know? And I, right. and I think deep down because other areas of my life felt like they were going well, I think I just kind of assumed there must be some people who are good at this mm. and it must not be me. Right. And so there's probably some people out there that this is great and this works. And I guess I'm, I guess that's true of me with, with study. I get to do theology, read the Bible and study and teach. And maybe that's kind of for me and this, maybe there's just other people that, that, that do this. And so it, you know, unfortunately prayer for most people, I think is one of the loneliest things they do. Not only their experience of it is lonely. Oh, that's often true. But most people I meet, they have literally no one in their life who knows what their prayer life is like. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of interesting mm. when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. We're just kind of alone there. And yeah. when we're alone in places, the end, what ends up happening is oftentimes our, our flesh in one way or another, um, not just kind of sin, but, but our misguided assumptions about God and ourselves and all these things get kind of um, lodged in to how we think about it. And it ends up, it ends up just derailing it in such a way that we just stop praying. And mm. for both of us, that's exactly what we did. We just started giving ourselves to things that we felt like worked better and, and we stopped praying. Yeah. I mean, and I love that honesty, you know, because we think we're supposed to be good at it. We think we're supposed to know how to do it and we don't really know where to go. And I, I think the thing that I appreciated the most, I mean, you do get to how to, you do get to specifics. You've got appendices with actual Here's how you do this, right? So mm. for those who want to know, come on, give me the 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 step by step. You do that. But what I love about the book is, and it starts out with with that opening sentence I read about the honesty. But you know, when I read books, and I'm sure you're the same, Kyle, I I'm always on the lookout for any time an author says, What what I hope for this book or the aim of this mm. book or whatever, then I, I always I always highlight that sentence because I want to know <laughs> what does the author think yeah. that he or she is trying to do. And you write on page 14, this book is an invitation to embrace God's love in the truth of who you really are. And I thought, I, I highlighted it and then I thought, what does this have to do with prayer? Because, I mean, <laughs> this could be a book on, if it's yeah. a book about, and in, in to help me, you're inviting me to embrace God's love in the truth of who I am, that could mean anything, in, mm. you know. But what you guys do so well is... I mean, it's, it's, you say it in, in, in the subtitle of the book, How Honesty with God Transforms Your Soul. In other words, I think what your thesis in the book is, and I can't believe I'm just telling the author, here's what the thesis of your book is. <laughs> but I think, I think, and correct me, Kyle, I think the thesis of your book is prayer is, by and large, being real with God, like being mm -hmm. genuine with God. And I think so much of what happens is I pray in the way I think I'm supposed to pray. Like, yeah. I, I pray... And I remember the first time as a new Christian when I was absolutely frightened that in, in this Bible study I was in, that someone would tell ask me to pray, like, <laughs> totally. you know, to do the opening or closing prayer. <laughs> and sure enough, it happened a couple months in, the leader just looks at me and goes, hey, Jim, would you close in prayer? I, I was terrified. Yeah. And all I did was just mimic what I heard the other guys doing when they prayed. I mean, I literally like parroted totally. exactly how one of the guys in the group prayed. Because, uh, I, I mean, that's what I think it is. And so... What I, what's so refreshing about your, your book is that you're saying this is largely about being real with God. Is that fair to say that's kind of the thesis? Yeah, and then, of no, course, the, the Psalms and other ways are ways we mm -hmm. do it. But, I mean, that's what I thought was so refreshing about your book. It's like this is supposed to be a book on prayer, but it's really a book on, and it is, but it's also a book on how to be real and honest with God. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I, in that way, it's almost like a spiritual formation 101 kind of book. Um, mm -hmm. although our hope for it was, and I'm so glad that you enjoyed it so much because our hope was that it really would also captivate those who've been in this conversation for a long time, because, you know, what we find with prayer is that 
And I actually think a lot of spiritual formation is just navigating the presence of God. I mean, I think mm. in many ways that's the biblical story, right? Like the presence of God after Eden is now wrought with difficulty because in our flesh, we hide and we cover in our flesh. We manage mm -hmm. God. We, you know, now all of this, all of this troubling reality of that, that occurs. And, you know, prayer, the problem is that we hear these things that are true and most of them are good. Like I, one of the people that read an early draft for me said, you know, my entire Christian life, and this is now for them, it spanned four decades. They said, my entire Christian life, people have told me, you can say whatever you want in prayer. God can hear it all. And I never knew what that meant until I read this. Mm. And that was so encouraging me because I think that's the problem is we, we, we tell people things that are true as if we can simply say, oh, oh, I can tell God anything. Oh, okay. And we don't realize that actually the problem isn't that we didn't know we couldn't do it. Now, that is a problem if we don't know, right? So <laughs> we do need to say those things. But the problem is deeper than that, is that these things are caught up in our guilt in our shame, in our fears, in our anxieties. And so now, as we navigate the presence of God in prayer, kind of being who we are with the God who is, it, it kind of needs some shepherding, right? It needs some guidance, and it need, we need to hear someone that can help us name why we struggle the ways we do. Because quite honestly, most of us don't realize we do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize for most of my Christian life until someone kind of asked the question, like, well, how does God receive you when you pray? Like, what do you, what do you, in, what do you kind of, what kind of sense do you have of how God is receiving you? Mm -hmm. And I had to sit and think, I was like, wow, when I go to pray, I think God rolls his eyes. Mm. Oh, here's this again. Yeah. Okay. You know, and I was like, wow, like, what is that? You know? Yeah. And, and, and I had been told my whole life that God receives me. And I believed that, that God receives me in love, that he was, but there were some deep beliefs in me that I didn't know about. And so part of what we thought our task was to help people kind of enter into that truth, is, is, as you pointed out, like that kind of, kind of come to embrace the truth of, of being real with God is to try to be mirrors that are mirroring back to folks things that we don't see ourselves and that we actually need another to kind of hold up a mirror and say, well, that's interesting. Where do you get the idea of what God can and cannot hear? Mm. Or where did this idea come from that, that God receives you this way? Or when you feel condemned, where did you think that that was God con communicating that to your soul? Like how, how, where did these things come in? And, and so we, we were hoping that we can help sort of shepherd souls in God's presence by naming these things and give them a little sense of even how they can then continue on themselves being watchful of their own souls. Like, yeah, where, where have these things come from? Uh, yeah. Most of what I've seen is that it's not explicit teaching that really makes a difference in prayer. It's our experience that really governs back to us kind of what is going on. And so when we have things that we interpret negatively, like that prayer didn't go well. The danger is that we don't actually use that to, to talk to God in truth, but mm. we turn into ourselves to try to fix. And, and that's just, you know, it, it ends up just being a, an attempt to kind of um, self-help a little bit. Like maybe I can kind of fix myself here and be better. And it keeps God at bay rather than drawing near to him. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. And and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's why you guys decided to divide the book into two parts, right? Mm -hmm. to, you didn't want to jump right into the to practices of prayer, but you that's felt right. like we've got to, we've got to, and, and the first part of the book asks a series of really provocative, counterintuitive, what if questions like, what if a wandering mind is a gift? What if prayer can be a place to avoid God? Like, whoa, should you be saying that? What yeah. if prayer doesn't? <laughs> What if prayer doesn't meet my expectations? Can we say yeah. that too? What if God wants my my heart of sin and pain? Uh, so here's another, you know, author kind of question. Which of those provocative questions resonated with you the most, Kyle? Like, I just, as a writer, I, I know where there's a lot of energy and heat when I'm writing something. And, yeah. I mean, what, uh, those are, those are powerful questions, but, um, but, yeah, you know, totally. what was most helpful to you and why? And how did the answer that you guys arrived at help you in your own prayer life? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because if when I look at those questions, like in many ways, I just see different seasons of my journey with the Lord. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the wandering mind one probably has the deepest roots. Prayer was this, you know, I, I, I'm an academic, as you know, so it's like I, I have a decent amount of fortitude to just kind of grind away <laughs> at, yeah. at the academic process, you know, and um, and that's what PhD work usually is, right? Is just kind of grinding away for years upon years on things. And and so, and you know, when, when I was young, I was an athlete on a very successful team. You know, I was in, in high school, I was a volleyball player on a team that rarely lost. And so I, I had kind of ingrained in me this like, oh, I, I see a goal, I figure out the strategy and I do it. And in my flesh, for, particularly as a young man, it was, and I dominate it, right? <laughs> I, I, I win. And that's, you know, when I went to Bible college, in my flesh, I was there to win. Mm. And then I'd go to pray. <laughs> and that's not what prayer is, right? And, and I think, again, that's why it was so important. But it's prayer became, particularly the wandering mind, it became this thing that was this mirror of my failure. Mm. And it, I, I wasn't able to receive it as an invitation to, to be with God in my weakness, precisely where God is called to meet me, you know, is called to, to know yeah. his power in my weakness. I, I kind of received it as a mirror of my, of my badness and as a call to get my act together. Mm. And so that, that ran deep in me and I never, and you know, the hard thing is in a million years, I never would have said those things out loud. <laughs> Um, but that, that ran really deep and I, and I see it take different forms, you know, for my seminary students, cause I teach spirit formation. Um, we have a program where all seminary students have to do a year and a half of it. And so they're not, they're not in seminary to study this, right? Some are study, studying philosophy or, you know, theology or whatever. And they're, they're, they're in my classes. And I find for a lot of them, what they do. And it was funny cause I didn't relate to it until I saw it in them. And then I started thinking, Oh, I've done that before. I do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they try to atone for their sins in prayer by beating themselves up. Wow. And hmm. so it's like they they see their badness, their failure to pray well, and then they turn on themselves. And they kind of are are oh, get your act together. You know, this sin again, are you kidding me? And they, they kind of they kind of turn on themselves. And what they're doing is, you know, they're they're doing this little one man play <laughs> or one woman play before God, mm. hoping that God sees them and kind of puts the lightning bolt down yeah. as if God's waiting for a, for a harshness. So he doesn't have to be, and I was like, wow, like, look at what they're doing They're They're tr almost in almost a kind of pagan way. They're trying to use these disciplines to kind of get their tethers in God to get God on their side so that they can manipulate him for their own purposes. Mm. And I was like, that's exactly what I've done in prayer. Mm -hmm. And, and so there, you know, it's each one of these things I see. I mean, these are, these are things that I have in different seasons can see so clearly, but the wandering mind one was the hardest. I think that was the hardest for me to believe. Like, even when I saw my own flesh in it, it was still hard for me to believe that God wasn't just saying, yeah, yeah, sir, I forgive you. It's okay. But but you really should be better at this. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was when we read the, um, the Romans eight one, like this became such um, good news to my soul that mm. God says, Kyle, I actually know you don't know how to pray. <laughs> yeah. I love that passage. I mean, the, the <laughs> fact that God tells us he knows we don't know how. Yeah. That is just, that was such a comfort. And then to see that his solution was to pray for me from the core of my being. Yeah. Let me enter into your deepest pain and brokenness and let me pray for you there. Like, what a God. I mean, that's yeah. an astonishing reality that God realizes how inept we are at some of the most yeah. basic things of the Christian life. And he meets us even there. Yeah. You know, it, it strikes me that. You, what how we view god it has so much to do with with how we view prayer because if god is you know the great and terrible oz you know we're we're just going to be trembling before yeah. that god or whatever it is um but 
when you when you realize, okay, this is the maker of the universe who knows me better than I know myself, who knows my sins more than I know, who knows who loves me more than I can imagine, who wants a relationship with me. When you when you get all that right, then you, then the type of praying that you recommend in the book becomes possible, and, and, I, and that's yeah, my sense of why you guys totally. needed to to do the first half of the book. Because I'll be honest, I mean, there's a part of me is going, oh no, there's a whole front half. Like yeah. I've got <laughs> totally. to, I have to figure out all my problems about prayer. Mm-hmm. Just get me to the second half. I want to. Well, how do I pray? Like, just tell me the, yeah. give me the, give me the, the, the blueprint, the strategy. Um, but it, it's important. The first half is crucial because those are the hindrances. Those are the blocks. Those are the things that keep us um, from praying. But let's talk about the second half, because in the second half, you offer five types of prayer. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's hundreds of types sure. of prayer, but you chose these five. But let's start with with the first one is the Psalms, because um, and I really think that's brilliant, because the Psalms teach everything that you're saying in the first part of the book, because the Psalms are all over the place. I mean, there's lament and anger and crying out and people being and joyful. I mean, everything. And you, you quote Calvin who talks about, um, you know, it's the, the prayer book of this, the soul is the chapter, but you talk about, uh, when the, the anatomy of all the parts of the soul are in, are in the, the Psalms. Uh, talk about that a little bit because it's, why the Psalms and, and, and how they have, because they've really shaped me too in what you're talking about, but I want to hear you talk about, about the Psalms and prayer. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the Psalms are so important because, and again, this is, it just kind of does. And I think the last thing you said was exactly right about God. Like our view of God and our view of prayer are so interwoven. And I think what God has done that is so profound is that he's given us in Holy scripture prayers to him (laughs) And as kind of showing us, this is how you pray. And if you really sit in the Psalter, what you realize is, at least, you know, in my experience, what I realize is, wow, all of my expectations were wrong. God seems to expect that most of my, most of my prayers will be laments. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the most common kind, right? That's right. Yeah. And that that God hears these prayers, that God can hear these prayers. Because, you know, and deep down, I think many, many Christians don't actually believe God either wants to or actually even can hear these kinds of prayers. Mm. And that's why it's so important to learn to pray them and learn to pray the scriptures in them, because what the, what those things are training you in is, is what God can actually hear. And, you know, I love the prayer when I I can't remember exactly which psalm it is, but when the psalmist basically is asking, God, have you fallen asleep on the job? Mm. <laughs> like, what a brilliant prayer. <laughs> yeah. Because that's a good COVID prayer, right? You look around the yeah. world today. God, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you, are you seeing this? Are you seeing what's happening right now? And it's it's the honesty of the psalmists when they cry out to God. And they they name their enemies. They name what they want done to their enemies. They they vent their anger and frustration and worries and fears and 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 there's no sense that that God is somehow above these things or or too kind of clean and tidy to be able to handle them. That that they come to God in truth because they they expect that God meets them only in reality and not in fantasy. And that's, that's where, you know, the Psalter taught me that my, much of my prayer life had been lived in fantasy and not reality. Mm. And I think one of the ways it does that is, and every student I've ever had that I've taught to kind of pray in the Psalms, every one of them, and this is true in the church as well, when I teach this, every, they all say the same thing. You know, I hit a point where I realize I can't say some of the Psalms to God. Yeah. And, and you it get that hard. sense, yeah. he can't hear this. And I'm not supposed to feel this way. And it's interesting, you know, how quickly we turn to judging our feelings before we bring them to God. Um, Bonhoeffer really warns us against this. Um, you know, that, that we, we, we like to turn ourselves into the judge because it feels better to kind of name what is right and wrong ourselves rather than coming into God's presence and saying, this is what is true of me. And the Psalter just does that so well. And I, I think 
praying the Psalms are hard because many of us, I mean, this is certainly true of me. Like I, I didn't come from a background that, that really valued praying other people's words. Right. We, yeah. we weren't saying the, you know, the creeds we were, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of ironic because of course we were singing other people's songs and words and songs. And, and it was hard for me to get into that initially, but man, it gave me freedom. Like once they really helped me open up my heart to the Lord and I could just pause say, yes, Lord, that is exactly what I feel. That is exactly true of my anger or that's exactly what I think of my enemies. And, and really, you know, when we go back to Psalm 139, you know, that, that kind of turning to Lord, search me, know me, see what is in my heart. And being able to trust that the Bible is actually kind of this, this guidebook into how to be in the presence of my Lord in truth. And so the Psalter is, and that's why we put it first, because we really, and, and you, you read that precisely right, because it, it takes everything we talked about in the first half and just shows us that God has actually anticipated all of this already. Yeah, it's and it, that's just so brilliant because, as you said in, in your answer just then, I mean, it's in the scriptures. Like mm-hmm. God is not, it's absolutely okay to come and, and shake your fist and say, why, where are you? Because yeah. that's how we feel, right? Back to the piece of the book, right? You, you be honest. Mm-hmm. God knows we feel it. Why can't we just say it? And the Psalms, um, it's in the Bible, right? It's right there in the Bible. We, it's more than more than permission. It's actually expectation that we would mm-hmm. come to God. And some are joyful. Some are just let's come in singing and dancing. And some, um, I mean, there's just the the whole gamut. Back to the Calvin quote, right? I mean, the the whole gamut of the things that we can feel. Mm-hmm. You'll find them there. And yeah. so I just thought that was a great way to start. And and I, actually, Kyle, until you just said that, I've never thought of about how music, um, we don't put that same standard because I also <laughs> did not come from a tradition that used uh, liturgical prayers or mm-hmm. pre-written prayers. And the, the knock was always, no, it has to be from your heart. It has to be extemporaneous. It has to be yeah. on the spot, you saying those words. But I, I never thought to you to said it, but I, I don't hold that standard to amazing grace. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Or as well with my soul or, yeah. uh, or even a modern, you know, praise songs, uh, you know, Rich Mullins, awesome God. Everybody sings it. It's those are Rich's words, right? Mm-hmm. But, but yet we don't hold that to go. Well, no, I'm gonna right now. I'm gonna just play music and everybody sing what you feel. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. you'd never, you'd never do that. It'd be, well, we speaking in tongues, I guess, wouldn't be. That's be, right. That's someone right. Someone would yeah. have to give an interpretation. So, thank you for that. I'm gonna steal that, Kyle, <laughs> and Good. use that. I, I love it. Um, the, the 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 prayer of intention. This was new for me. I really uh, like that. On page one twenty two, you say in in being present to God, I'm not ignoring what my heart wants for me, but rather I'm recalling my heart to a deeper and more profound reality than my own desires and strategies for navigating life. I, I, I really like that because it's, well, you tell me why you wrote that sentence. I'm not going to talk anymore because I'm, I'm extrapolating on your wisdom here. But <laughs> what, tell us about the prayer of, of, of intention. And, and what that means. Yeah, yeah. This is actually something that John developed years and years ago when he he woke, he kind of realized every morning I wake up and the first thing my heart does is turn to worry. And after right. just kind of seeing this for years, he's like, I don't, I, I want my heart to turn to the Lord. And, and not secondly, but firstly. And so this is where it began for him. He started with this, this kind of, I want to intend, even just for a minute or two, right when I wake up, Lord, Lord, I want to be with you. Lord, you know what this day has. Lord, I, I'm already wanting to worry about things. Lord, that's where my heart is. I, I want to be with you in this. And so then we've kind of developed it in all sorts of ways now where, you know, actually the church we go to um, that I'm on the preaching team of, we, we begin our church service now with a prayer of intention. Oh, wow. Where we everyone, let's just stop for a minute. You know, a lot of us have young kids, right? let's just see where our heart has gone for us already today. Just even Mm -hmm. as we sit down in the pew, like what has your heart done? Okay. Now let's just present ourselves to the Lord. Let's offer ourselves to the Lord. I don't want to just be here. I don't want my lips to move and my heart to be far from you, but, but Lord, I'm frantic right now. (laughs) I I barely got out of the house today. Yeah. Um, Sometimes for me, you know, I've, you know, after a long day of work, I'll drive home and, 
I'll have to sit in my driveway for a minute because I know I've got very excited kids to see dad when he walks in the door. And it's going to be hard for me to be present because I'm tired. <laughs> I just yeah, you know, graded for half a day or whatever it was, you know, and Lord, I, I don't I don't want to just do this on my own. I don't want to just grip my teeth and, and, you know, force a smile on my face and try to get excited. Lord, I, I want to be present to my children and I need you. I, I want to do that with you. And, and, you know, for some of us, that's going to be at work. For some of us, that's going to be it. You know, it, the prayer of intention for us becomes a kind of almost the kind of practicing the presence of God where it begins with just a kind of real honest declaration of the truth of where my heart actually is and then of presenting myself to God. You know, you get that imagery from Romans 6 and then again, mm -hmm. Romans 12, when we're presenting our bodies to God, it's that kind of move of, Lord, here, <laughs> I'm yours. Whatever I want to do, I want to do it with you. And it's, it's now aligning my will with God's will while all the while recognizing all the other places my will wants to will. <laughs> and then, yeah. And, and being honest about that. And then being, this is true. This is, you know, it's true. This is where I'm at. Lord. Yeah. I love that. It's like, God, I'm tired right now. Mm. Or in your church, it's like, I'm, uh, my wife and I snapped at each other yeah. this morning, getting the kids ready. And, and here I am in worship, but you know, I'm here. And, mm. uh, but let's not deny that that's where my heart is, but also let's put it in a different place. Uh, yeah, that's really, you know, I think of, of all of the, uh, the prayers of the five that you talk about, probably the, the prayer of, of recollecting was the one that, uh, stayed with me the most. Mm, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure why. Um, and I love, there's a quote on page 131 that I'm absolutely going to steal in, the, <laughs> in a book I'm writing right now, but you write the only identity that can truly bear the weight of our souls is who we are in Christ. Mm. In him, we are fully accepted and fully forgiven. All other attempts to find our identity outside of Christ becomes a weight to the soul. Mm. I just really like, and I think what I love about it is the, this idea that we talk about detaching from all of the other identities you know, that yeah. we have that, that drive us detach from that and then attach to who I am in Christ. Um, it really did impact me, mm. but let's talk about that for a second because yeah. I really love the image. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, one of the things we found is that, you know, developmentally, I think when we, when we come to embrace honesty, one of the difficulties is we start seeing our lives and some of this is obvious, right? So I'm a professor. I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm a, and these things are all true. I mean, all these, actually, all those things are good. Right? Yeah. But they can't bear the weight of my soul. They, they can't, they can't bear the weight of my personhood. Like I, only God can do that. But then there's some other things as well. Like I might have the sense that I'm a successful person and that might be true of me, but that in being honest about that, I might've even taken that on as an identity. Mm. Or, or maybe I'm a failure. Maybe I'm just a fragile person. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a stable person. You know. And again, there there could be truth in in those things, but now they kind of become something of my person. And so, what the prayer of recollection is designed to do is to follow again, kind of Paul's putting off and putting on material. And it's we're putting off things true or false that don't get to the core primal reality of who I am, the kind of bedrock foundation of my soul. And some of those I'll probably have to put back on later. But what I need to do is really put on the truth to recollect the reality of who I am in Christ and to understand that that is what defines me. Mm. And, you know, one of my one of my favorite verses for now, I don't decades now, just because the image, it just never ceases to be profound for me. And it's Colossians 3, that, that your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I think, Lord, that is who I am. Preach it, brother. I that love that. That defines yeah. me. You know, it's not, I, it's not the fact that, that I have been a success or a failure that defines me. It's you that define me. And, you know, that reality is, it's, it's one of those things, again, I, I think it's easy to believe and to kind of know the, that simply. Like, of course, yeah, I'm a child of God, right? Oh, yeah, of course that's true. But we don't enter into the practice of, of kind of putting off. And, and you know, I remember the first time I prayed this prayer, I was a student. And so I was putting off these things and I, I kind of said, Lord, Lord, you know, I, 
I'm not a student. And I remember I had this experience where I couldn't quite get that word out of my mouth fully. <laughs> it was and deeply I embedded. Had no yeah. idea. Wow. God, that I've been using that. I've been using that to kind of bolster my person, to kind of uphold my being. I kind of get around in the world, and that is the kind of kind of crutch I use. Like that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And I started realizing like, wow, it, it actually takes, it, I can't only just affirm these truths. Like I, I've actually got to enter into life with God, naming them and, and literally just kind of putting them off and seeing which of these grab my soul. Like which of these am I using? And I, you know, I was using these identities that, that weren't things I did, but were values I held. You know, and and I think part of that was being a student, like being educated. Like I realized that, wow, like I had come to see that as such a deep value that I, I didn't realize how much I was grasping to it to try to make meaning in my life. Mm-hmm. I was like, Lord, that's just idolatry. Well, that's not <laughs> right. That should be you there. And yet I, I want this to define me all the way down. And so in our putting these things off, we have to we have to attend very carefully to which of these is really grabbing for us. Um, I find to parents, I mean, we we I don't think we fully know, for good and for bad, how much being a father or a mother grabs us in that way. And some of that's yeah. beautiful and good, but yeah. some of that is, oh wow, <laughs> that's bad, and that's why I get so angry during the soccer games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. That's right. That's, that's why I, I was at a, my daughter's soccer game a year. I remember like a year ago and the, both coaches were screaming at their daughters, stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking like, wow, like they're yelling at themselves right now. Mm-hmm. And this has nothing to do with those poor little girls who are, who are now just crying more. Yeah. And, and there's something deep in their souls and, and they, they haven't put that off. Yeah, And so I think, you know, for all of us, there's these things that these, these deep attachments and the Lord wants to meet us in those things. And the Lord wants to reground us in a far deeper, far more meaningful reality. Mm-hmm. And to the quote you said before, the, the only reality that can sustain the weight of our personhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see real, a real uh, similarity between uh, the intention and recollection because both of them mm-hmm. are grounding us in something else. You know, this that's is- right. This is who I mean. Acknowledge this is how I identify myself or how I'm feeling today, but I'm grounding myself in something else. Well, let's jump to the last one, which is intercession. Mm-hmm. Which is that's the form of prayer I think most people think of. With I think when you think about prayer, it's like, well, I'm going to pray. Petition, I guess, is specifically I'm praying for myself, um, which is probably the most common form of prayer. When Lord, Lord, help me, if that's the most common prayer. But, mm-hmm. uh, but interceding, you know, praying for someone else. Yeah. And you guys, I, I love the, the three guidelines that you offer if you're going to, because look, okay, let's name it. it it's intercessory prayer is not a, God's not a vending machine. You don't just, mm-hmm. I prayed this and God just cha-ching, here comes the answer. Um, it's a relational thing. But I love your guidelines, which are, you know, be present to those you're praying for, be present to yourself and your relationships with the person. And then third, be present to God who is with both us and them. I really like that. But as I was thinking about you know, having you today in this discussion, I thought, I'm going to put you on the spot, Kyle. Here we go. <laughs> so how do you apply those three things in a real life example? So let me just say, let's just say you have a friend and she just she's found out she just lost her job and she sent you a text or whatever, uh, just lost my job. I'm devastated. Um, walk us through what that looks like with that, those guidelines and how you would pray for her? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and let me just say for this chapter, this is the kind of form of prayer that, that one of the reasons we included it is because this is an area that, that for me particularly, I, I felt convicted on over the last several years. And as I've, you know, now for the last 20 years, kind of been a part of the spiritual formation discussion. And this is one of the ones we, we don't talk about very often. And that I think one of the one of the things that has happened is is I think it's the form of prayer we look at as the most obvious. Like, oh yeah, yeah, mm. you can intercede for others. Great. Like, like as if that should be the simplest form that doesn't need any kind of explanation. And and yet I think it actually is the opposite. 
is it's one of the messiest. I yeah, I agree. I and agree. it's messy yeah. because of those three attachments. Mm-hmm. Like it whenever I'm praying for someone, I have some form, however thick or thin, some form of attachment to them. I'm being with them with God. And so now there's a kind of presence with God with them as a part of it. But then even just kind of with myself. And so like, actually, let me change your example a little bit to make it a little okay. harder, actually. Ooh, oh, oh, uh, and the harder is, harder is, is someone who just got a raise. Oh, okay. Right. Cause I, I actually find this is just person. I, I find it easier. And maybe this is just where I've, the Lord has led me in my own life. I find it easier to, to enter into people's struggles. Hmm. Um, to be kind of empathetic in that way. But, you know, I, I find it harder to sometimes to enter into people rejoicing. Okay. I almost want to downplay it and kind of move on. Like, I almost kind of like a little more, like, let's get in the nitty gritty, messy stuff, like the harder stuff. And it's like the lighter stuff of, of joy. And in particular, if I'm having a hard time, let's say with my career or with finances or with like, how can I rejoice with those who rejoice without just making it about me? Mm. And so in, in that kind of instance, I'd have to say, I'd have to kind of enter in prayer and I want to be with them, which means I've got to kind of enter their joy. Like I, Lord, wow, what a gift. Lord, I'm so grateful that you have provided them with this. But then I've got to be watchful because part of my soul might say, and God, yeah, where's mine? <laughs> yeah. Like there might be a little bit of older brother in me that yeah. says, you're, you're having a party. Like I've been here the whole time. <laughs> Where's my party? Are you kidding yeah. me right now? This kid, this, your son abandoned you. Where's mine? You know? And, and so I need to be open to all the ways that, that I might be envious of them, that I might struggle with their rejoicing or to use your, your example before, or that, that maybe I'm, I'm rejoicing in my life and I'm actually having a harder time to enter into their pain, enter into their struggle. Mm. Um, and maybe I find myself kind of, you know, raising questions about their life choices. Mm. Well, I told them years ago, they really needed to do a better job of widening out their resume or, you know, maybe I mm. start turning to ways that like, almost I'm kind of puffing up myself of a little bit, you know, I told them so, you know, this is, and I kind of realized, well, I'm, I'm having a hard time just being with them in their sorrow. Yeah. Like there's other things going on. And, you know, the, what, what really struck this for me was, um, and the example I use in the book is, you know, I'm scrolling through social media and I see someone ask for a prayer request. And I kind of realized I just get annoyed when I see that. And, and I wasn't being honest with God of like, God, why am I annoyed? <laughs> Cause that's a little weird. <laughs> like, yeah. And I realized it was, it was only when I, I didn't have a relationship with someone. Right. And I knew I'd, I was annoyed because I'd feel guilty if I just passed by a prayer request. And and I realized my response was to pray in such a way that I wasn't present to them and I wasn't present to God and I wasn't present to me because the goal was to just stop feeling guilty. Mm. And I, I realized that's a prayer of magic. Yeah. And and it was it was me throwing a magical formula out in the world, hoping for the best. And. And the intercession, you know, one of the things that I think is so profound about intercession that I just, I, I just never took that seriously, I guess, as a Christian. And I think particularly today in an age of, um, you know, Zoom calls and, you know, social distancing and stuff, the realization that scripture tells us is that Christians have a unique ability because of our union with Christ and, and having the spirit that we are actually personally present to one another in the spirit. That, mm, that I can right. actually be present to you in a way that an unbeliever cannot be. And when Paul says things right. like, I'm absent from you in person, but present in the spirit, I always read that as a really nice hallmark moment Paul had. Right, right. You know, I was like, oh, that's sweet, Paul, present in the spirit. Yeah. What a nice little line. I'm with you in spirit. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's kind of the equivalent of, I'll send you my thoughts. You know, it's just kind of, oh, whatever that means, you know. And I kind of realized that like, Paul's serious about that. Like we, we actually can be with one another in the presence of God by the, by, by the presence of the spirit. And, and I think intercession really is a profound practice that, that I had never given it the time. I kind of began, the more I studied spirit formation and contemplation and these things, the more I kind of saw that as almost a, a kind of second layer of prayer. Like, oh yeah, you should do that too. That's nice. And, and more recently, I, I've really just felt the weight of, no, this is a profound 
prayer, to really enter in to life with them. But it means I've got to navigate my, my relationship with them and, you know, with, with our children, with our spouses, with our friends like that, that raises a mess. <laughs> there's, there's layers of our relationship that get caught up in that, that, mm-hmm. that I need to also be present to, that I need to also bring before God, that I need to allow their, their experience to awaken in me. And that, that means there's just that much more to navigate. But I think that's what, what makes that such a, a uniquely rich form of prayer as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, it's consistent. Uh, what your book's doing is the subtitle of the book is how honesty with God transforms your soul. Mm-hmm. But I would say how honesty with God transforms your prayer life, because mm-hmm. that's what you, from the Psalms where it's just like, this is honest, right? You know, and it's, you know, that old cliche we have, we'll say sometimes, well, hey, honest to God, I'm telling you, honest to God. We yeah. use that little cliche, but that's really what it is. It's it's honest to God in this is how I'm feeling. I know that I need to be here, but this is where I am with recollection and in, in intention. And then, you know, jump and examine, of course, which we didn't talk about, but that's for sure mm-hmm. doing the same thing. You're examining it exactly. But then with even with intercession, it's I love that about the guidelines. It's like this is. I'm being honest with God, but when I hear it, like, wow, I'm not sure I'm happy about that guy's raise, or totally. I, I'm not sure I'm mostly what I'm feeling right now for the person who lost her job is some judgment. Like you should have done, you know, whatever. Yeah, totally. And I love that because you're saying, let's be, let's name that, but then let's be present with the person. Like where, yeah. where it's so good. Yeah. The book's fantastic, Kyle. I listeners, if you want to deepen your prayer life, uh, get and read and apply this book. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, again, it's Kyle Strobel, where prayer become and John Cope, <laughs> where prayer becomes real. You can get it on, on Amazon, I'm guessing, right? And everywhere sure, yeah, else that you get yeah. your books. But Kyle, this has been fantastic. And I, I'm certain many of our listeners are going to walk away with a lot of good, good insights into prayer. So thank you, brother, for writing the book. And thank you for being on the podcast and having this discussion. This is just great stuff. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Jim. It is, as always, a joy to be with you. Always fun. Always fun. Let's mm-hmm. do it again. Write another book. You will. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll do this again. Done. <laughs> All right. Blessings to you, Kyle. Thanks. Peace to you. I hope you enjoyed this Things Above Conversation with Kyle Strobel. I know I did. Prayer is important, and we need some wisdom on how to do it well. And he certainly gave us a lot of that. I hope you join me next week for episode 103. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith, and you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.